of the Spears podcast. This is Sabrina Monarch, and this is a show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have eclectic and impactful conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development. Welcome if you are new here. What you are about to hear is a audio version of a astrology forecast that I shared to my YouTube channel, Sabrina Monarch, so you can also see it on video there. And this podcast is a place where I share both these forecasts as well as interview conversations with people that I find inspiring. Welcome back. This is Sabrina Monarch of monarchastrology.com bringing you the astrology forecast for October 20th to 26th, 2021, which includes a full moon in Aries. Um, since you're here, please like this video, subscribe to my channel and hit the notification bell so that you'll get updates when new videos come out. If you're listening on the podcast, then just feel free to listen and please give this podcast a five-star review. And leave a comment if you're watching on YouTube and let me know what resonates with you and how you're doing this week. So let's get into it. This week we have a full moon in Aries um, coming up, I believe, tomorrow at the time of recording this. Okay, October 20th. So the rulers of this lunation, Mars for Aries and Venus for Libra, the full moon is always the sun and moon in opposite signs. Right. So the rulers of this lunation, Mars and Venus, each are forming last quarter phase squares to outer planets. We have Mars square Pluto and Venus square Neptune. And that's Mars and Libra square Pluto and Capricorn and Venus and Sagittarius square Neptune and Pisces. The last quarter phase square and you won't really hear people talking about the, you know, the last quarter phase square, the crescent or whatever. It's, it's not as common, but it's actually a really deep and beautiful and meaningful interpretive tool. Um, when we look into the phases that planets besides the sun and moon, so any two pair of planets make a phasal relationship to each other and there's a storyline, right? So the last quarter phase square, we have, you know, the three fourths point of the journey starting from say when Mars and Pluto were last conjunct and now they're three fourths of the way through the cycle. But this last quarter phase is characterized by a crisis in consciousness and this relates to liberation and breakthrough, um, approaching a long-standing issue from a place of paradigm shift. The last quarter phase square is deeply magical, in my opinion, in the way it relates to deeper forms of freedom, where we move beyond railing against the cage and we actually step outside of the cage entirely um, and begin to interact with the landscape and the environment and all these new choices that, you know, we're not bound anymore by the paradigm that was the thing that the problem was housed inside of. This requires a certain willingness to let go of the paradigm that has become a cage to have a flexible enough 
consciousness to entertain a new vision, right? And so there's a little bit of tension occurring this week to help us do that. For Mars and Libra, square Pluto and Capricorn, we may find ourselves accessing a new level of freedom around how we dance with time and planning, how much effort or force we apply to sticking to plan and making things happen, you know, how much we hold other people to that, how much we reveal that we're holding other people to that too, you know, versus how we can ally ourselves more with a deeper unfolding that is wanting to occur. Um, even if it stretches our own capacity to be flexible. Now, I am a punctual bitch. I will be honest with you. I show up on time so much of the time. And so I I think about this one, right? Like, when am I going to be flexible? And when am I serious about timing? So likewise, applying structure in a novel way might also be in service to a deeper truth that's unfolding. Um, But even just having these conversations about timing may be up, right? The point is that our balance with commitment and structure is shifting. This may be playing out in the collaborations we have with others, the direction of a project or a relationship itself. So there's there's probably some negotiations happening um, with this Mars and Libra square Pluto and Capricorn because Libra and Capricorn, you know, Libra is this um, master of negotiations, you know, or when not stepping up to the plate of that in a fawn response you know, oh, I don't know, you pick, right? Versus the fierceness of having those dialogues and doing the negotiations. And Pluto and Capricorn relates to, you know, structure and power plays and and whatnot. So think about what it's like when you're engaging with someone, you're mutually invested, or maybe there's disparities in how invested each person is, um, and you want different things, and you're going to have a negotiation about it. Like that dynamic can get... um, That can be very rich and generative. You know, we can be bringing different gifts to the table and there can also be imbalances of power to be mindful of. For Venus and Sagittarius square Neptune and Pisces, we may be accessing a new level of freedom around our capacity um, for dream and fantasy as something that elevates our creativity, right? If you dream it first, um, if you can see it. Imagine being able to materialize your visions because you are a talented dreamer and possess the capacity for follow-through. Sometimes the path of being this skilled a dreamer means a willingness to let go of certain dreams or fantasies or tactics, uh, right, that may have gotten us started on the journey, but are no longer the appropriate target for us. Um, I'm really big on this too. You know, I, I wrote a novel and while I wrote the novel, it was my intention that it was going to be a number one New York times bestseller. And that was a dream that I fed and watered myself with for years. Um, and then I self-published the book, you know, but I think beneath that, what I really desired was an engaged audience, um, a lifestyle as a publisher, um, not as a publisher, someone who was published. Um, and it finally just looked like, you know, making the stage for myself and publishing myself um, and accessing a kind of emotional fulfillment that my past more youthful, I'm still youthful, but a more youthful version of me felt would come through being traditionally conventionally published, right? So sometimes our dreams reroute, sometimes they change. And it's a really interesting tension to hold, you know, we don't want to give up on our dreams. We don't want to give up our loyalty to the dream, but sometimes the dream does need to change, So this happens all the time to people who have a shift in consciousness mid-pursuit of a major dream. 
How can you keep relating to the deeper truth of expansion and meaning, even if the form itself changes? So I'm going to get into our week transit by transit in more detail after a few announcements. Oops, normally I have this in slideshow already. <laughs> okay, so you can get on my mailing list to receive the weekly forecast in written version and the link to the video every week. Um, this is also a place where I announce my astrology reading bookings being open and, you know, other special events, courses, all of that. You can also find me on Instagram at Sabrina Monarch. Um, I love to get on stories, post things, you know, so, but I'm also, you know, fairly chatty there. Then I have an evolutionary astrology intensive. Uh, this will be the ninth run of the course. It's a very well-established field, um, beloved course, um, with raving, you know, student experiences. And this is uh, a course that is comprised of some pre-recorded videos that you can return to indefinitely, you know, forever. And then weekly meetings where we discuss the material as a group. Um, so this way, you know, you have this really rich library, this body, you know, to come to, um, but also a community forms and we get to practice, you know, the concepts and our literacy and the way that I interact with astrology is, you know, deeply embedded in my everyday life. It's in my inner world. It's in the conversations that I'm having. It's what I'm noticing. It's in my body. Like astrology permeates everything. It is a, a science or a study of, you know, as above, so below, as within, so without. So the way that I, um, you know, invite you into the archetypes or into having a relationship with astrology is to start to map how astrology is already playing out that, you know, some people might be like, I don't know that many Capricorns or I had a bad, you know, relationship with a Capricorn. So now I think Capricorns are this, you know, and it's actually like you have plenty of Capricorn experiences playing out in your life right now. It's already in your field, but we get into a deeper level of literacy and expansion with recognizing it, honing our archetypal eye. Um, so that you can have your own kind of personal lexicon of astrology, right? And then we also get into the, the technical stuff, how to read charts from the perspective, you know, not just of your personality and what you're like and all of that, but like, who are you as a soul? Like, what's your multi-lifetime journey? What kind of things have you brought into this life from prior lives? What's your dharma? You know, what's, um, what are your kind of core challenges um, or certain gifts, right? And not that certain placements are either one of those exclusively. Every placement has, you know, a whole kind of multivalent spectrum of how it can play out. So, you know, all of this is to say, like, it is a deep dive. Um, we go into the planets, the signs, the houses, uh, and then focus on Pluto and the lunar nodes and this evolutionary astrology way of looking at the chart. Um, I say, you know, it's a way of understanding astrology, but ultimately it's really a wisdom school because the way that we approach the archetypes, the outer planets, you know, we're, we're touching into some really deep, uh, mysteries in this reality and evolutionary astrology is deeply close to my heart. I've been growing up alongside it. Um, you know, I'm in my Saturn return right now and I encountered this form of astrology when I was 21 um, and it's not just been something that I, you know, look at or do or something. Sometimes it is, it comprises, you know, my life. It's informed 
so many ways for me to really deepen into my talents and gifts and work through um, challenges or kind of like my shadow material um, and really just participate in reality more skillfully um, and individuate, right? I forget, maybe it was Stanislav Grof who said this, I'm not quite sure, but astrology is a Rosetta stone for the soul or for our individuation. And so what is it like to develop a much deeper, much richer, much more life enhancing and compassionate relationship with your chart such that it can, you know, really generate, um, a lot of positive momentum or evolution in your life. So, you know, even though I teach these courses several times a year, it is an opportunity of a lifetime. It is completely life-changing. Uh, and you can read the student testimonials um, to get a greater sense. Um, students often report that they feel, you know, more creative about the way that they live their life, that they experience, you know, emotional healing and spiritual evolution, um, as well as that they, they receive more from the course than they could have even imagined before. So if you want to step into a portal, uh, join me for the Evolutionary Astrology Intensive beginning November 8th, um, and the last day to enroll is November 5th. You can find the link in the notes to read more about the course, read student testimonials, and enroll. And I'll get back into our week. So right off the bat, October 20th, full moon and 27 degrees of Aries at 7.57 a.m. Pacific. This has been a remarkably Martian lunar cycle since the new moon in Libra began with an exact conjunction between the sun and the moon to Mars in Libra, as well as Mercury. And now as the moon in Mars ruled Aries opposes the Libra sun, Mars and Libra is still a few degrees away from the sun, combust this time. During this lunation, the sun and moon will square Pluto and Capricorn as well. So we have a T-square between the sun, moon, and Pluto at this full moon. Here are some thoughts. Mars has possibly been a louder energetic in our experience, inspiring moods related to vitality, right? Like Mars gets our blood moving. It's what we get out of bed for in the morning. Um, but it's also things like frustration or anger, arousal in general, impatience, and conflict proneness, right? Feeling, feeling like your fight is up. Um, or maybe experiencing situations where you feel like your fight should be more up, like you're noticing that you're not standing up for yourself. Okay, the time has come for me to pause this video and put my cat somewhere else. Hold on. So I was saying, you know, there may be some situations where we feel like maybe I do need to stand up for myself more or, you know, stand up for something more. Um, or we're feeling kind of like challenged or provoked, you know, or more just reactive all kind of Martian things. And we may have been having experiences that have directly challenged or invited our courage. If we've felt irritable, we may have felt direct reasons or instances spark this anger, or we may have recognized it as a more free-floating kind of activation and the anger or irritability perhaps larger than the small things that provoke it, which isn't to say it doesn't matter, uh, but sometimes um, 
it's like the small thing that has a big effect. Um, and there's a sense of, oh, there's some deeper material here that, you know, was just ripe. Um, or, you know, that final kind of thing that cracked me open. And now I have this uh, rage inside of me that I have to look at. Um, so, you know, have compassion for yourself in that. And also, um, you know, there's deeper maybe discovery. And we're looking at Pluto square this lunation too, which relates to the unconscious. So shadow work and whatnot. Right. And so the extra and sometimes difficult to hold amount of life force energy here has been an invitation to step more deeply into our aliveness and the uh, responsibility to wield the potency of that aliveness. Right. So if you know you have some big, powerful energy inside of you or you've got some fiery energy inside of you, it's like, how do you relate to that uh, thing within you? Um, Mars, I think part of the challenge of the Martian archetype is really kind of being able to wield, you know, that power or kind of that force uh, inside of us in a way that is, um, noble and, you know, it's not noble to, uh, use that force to bully and bulldoze and abuse others. It's also not noble to, we're present so deeply that we don't step up to the plate of being here in this life, right? So that kind of in-between, which is funny because we look at Venus as balance, but Venus and Mars have a special connection and Mars does kind of have that, okay, well, what's our code of honor? What are our ethics with this Martian quality that I have within me? Aries is a heroic sign that is compelled by challenges in which the individual gets to prove themselves, not necessarily to others or to the world, though that may show up, right? But ultimately to themselves, to feel themselves as the hero of the grand epic of their lives, to see themselves turn from underdog to victor, or to see one's greatest potentials realized and expressed externally in the world, right? Like it's it's so embodied at some point too, where it's just like you literally feel um, like either like chills or just like a kind of like rising, like inner kind of arousal of like, damn, I'm like, I'm powerful. Or like, I got this far. I went from nothing to something. Like there's a, there's a libido in that. And Aries, I think really is turned on by that storyline of like, um, shaping oneself into this like fullness, this kind of grandeur. And that can play out really in any field. It can be an athlete. Um, it can be a business person. It can be, um, you know, I think it's something quite archetypal too, just kind of about like children and bullies and kind of that early lesson around like um, for the one who's picked on, which is often Aries. Aries can often feel picked on and bullied when they're, when they're young because there's some kind of karmic or dharmic thing there about learning how to like defend your right to just exist. Right. Which can, that can feel heavy, but on the other side of it, it's like a, wow, like I really, really am here. I really belong. I like paved my way kind of feeling. Um, and I've, I've always just found it interesting that when it comes to, you know, 
at an archetypal level, uh, the bully archetype, whether we're talking to like wars that no one wants to, you know, like no one wants the war, but it's there. So what do you do when it's at your doorstep? Or as a kid, if you're being bullied and picked on and like, no one's really saving you. Like, it doesn't matter what the rules are, what the adults try to do. It's like, there's still that aggressive energy in your field. And the adults may be telling you, like, they're kind of doing what they can, but they're like, you got to face your fears, kid. Or like, you got to figure out how to defend yourself or, you know, and I just find that kind of this archetypal, like, figure it out energy that I think Aries can really relate to, you know, wherever you feel the most down and out or such an underdog Um, and it's like something of your sheer kind of will or inner focus that lifts you out of the situation. And there's definitely ways we can challenge that narrative and approach it from a more communal standpoint, you know, or a more relational standpoint. But if you've ever been in that situation where you don't feel like you really had the help that you needed and you had to call upon something in yourself, like, you know, that Martian experience. With an Aries moon coming into the full light illuminated by a Libra sun, there may be some emphasis, however, on how these heroic storylines are relational storylines that we find ourselves assisted by and assisting others, that we are discovering ourselves through relationship, and that in anything we see ourselves doing alone, we are actually part of a relational ecosystem that includes humans and non-humans alike. So many different opportunities for how this could be working out. If you are a deep kind of soul worker, um, maybe you have an experience um, like I've had where if you do encounter adversarial figures in this lifetime, like people that you you really kind of do combat with and you're upset about it and you fucking resent them for years or something, right? Or you're just like, I can't get over how terribly that person treated me and you're giving it so much power and you're just like throwing gasoline on those flames, right? but you want to find inner peace with it. Sometimes at a deeper level, it's like there was a soul contract there. Like that was a person that you were doing deep battle with. Like you had some kind of past life connection and without getting into some kind of like shame story or sin story of like, Oh, I killed them in a past life and now they're, you know, whatever. No, like none of that, but just feeling into like, what were you here to learn as a soul? And how did that person actually at some deeper level beyond the adversarial relationship you had in this lifetime, how were they actually your friend? Um, Right. And so that's a deep, that can be a tall alchemical order, especially if we're, you know, no, I I don't want to see that person that way or that person just sucks or it's their fault. Um, but to feel into a really deep kind of power, kind of sovereignty in your soul, sometimes it, it does help to look at the situation from that perspective. Then, you know, in still another way, perhaps we're thinking about our relationships, the people that we um, cherish the most and we are the most sensitive to um, how they respond to us, right? And feeling into what if we're not against each other? Right. Or we maybe we do have disagreements and we do kind of like have some difficult conversations. But what if we're actually just teammates? Right. Um, Similarly, you know, like the lone wolf figure who's like, it's me against the world. 
how far is that attitude going to take you? What kind of consequences does that create? What kind of life is that? But if you desire something and you're kind of on a dharmic path and you need a community to back you, right? Like if you are starting a business, you need customers, right? You need clients. And so seeing how you're actually, by going out and doing your own thing or starting something, you're actually seeking a whole community or a whole network to participate in that with you. So one last thing here for this full moon. I didn't, I'm like fired up right now. Like it's, it's the airy stuff. It's the fire energy. Um, I did also go to a um, full moon circle that involves breath work um, and coffee, which I don't, I haven't drink, you know, drinking, drink coffee in like five years. And over the last few weeks, you know, this one once a month event. So after the last month or so, I'll have like a little bit of coffee. Uh, but I'm fired up. That breath work too was really, really something. Okay. So back to what I was saying here. If you were to sit outside in a forest in the dark, you might start to notice shapes in the trees or the stars and see your imagination morph and blend with the environment. Nighttime lends itself to imaginative, symbolic seeing, right? And relationships can have a similar quality in the sense of how we project parts of ourselves or our hopes and fears onto others. These things can be cleared up in the light of day in terms of honest communication and dialogue. Um, But there is maybe still the process of having those projections and putting them on the table or sorting through them in some way. Right, so the sun in Libra and moon in Aries at the peak of this full light of the moon, square Pluto, uh, you know, it is square Pluto, suggesting that potentially what is arising in our inner emotional purview about our relationships is laced with more unconscious material. Imagine that. Um, we may be invited here to stay with the aliveness and fire of our inner reality, so not suppress it just because we're like, I'm being unreasonable or emotionally chaotic or whatever. Right, like that negotiation definitely happens with Aries and Capricorn of like, I'm instinctual, but I need to control myself. Instinctual Aries control Capricorn. Um, But what about applying some level of pause, responsibility, sobriety, or care as to how we engage and relate to the more volatile, fiery dimension of our inner life? October 21st, Mars in 24 degrees of Libra will square Pluto in 24 degrees of Capricorn at 9.19 p.m. Be mindful of situations where you encounter the feeling that you have no options or that your hand is being forced. Or likewise, if you are trying to force the hand of someone else who really wants something to happen. This Mars-Pluto square can relate to power dynamics and negotiations as well as our unconscious abdication of choice. Even if the choices we have to pick from are not ideal, we may have to find the resolve within ourselves to fully choose our imperfect choice, realizing that even making a decision in non-ideal circumstances is still an act of will, and perhaps at some level also a defeat, but one we are consciously engaging. 
right? And I say this because Mars and Libra, it's like the challenge of a negotiation or the challenge of making a decision. And then Pluto and Capricorn is like, there's some kind of sense of inevitability or finality or like the system or something big, like weighing down. And sometimes that's real. And sometimes it's our projection, like, you know, you're making me feel this way, you know, um, or, you know, imagining that we're being cornered when we really have other choices. And one of those choices may be to confront the situation head on and say no. But let's say we don't approve of our no and we feel like we have to be more accommodating. Then someone asks something we don't want to do and we're like, oh, I feel stuck. You know, like we do it to ourselves often. And at the same time, because Mars is square Pluto, Mars and Libra square Pluto and Capricorn, we may find ourselves or we're, we're trying to negotiate something. And so just kind of feeling into um, how we're using force or not using force uh, mindfully. It's kind of a um, an age-old just kind of Martian question in terms of like proper use of will. Um, in situations where we feel more free, so we're not selecting from non-ideal choices, or situations where we have the agency to create more freedom for ourselves, we have that power for whatever reason, we might be accessing a more liberating set of options maybe a choice we've never thought to make before or never knew was an option is in our field. So, I mean, just sit with the profundity of that. Um, Being in an evolutionary space in your life where you have a set of choices before you that maybe have never been on your plate before. And sometimes it's stressful. Like we we don't like that we're in this situation. We don't like that we have to make a choice. Other times it may actually be quite fun. Like, wow, I get to make this choice. I'm in this new situation in my life with this new set of options. And like, wow, this new adventure is unfolding in front of me. And how like arousing to the spirit that is. On the other end, if we are in a position where we have the agency or leverage to apply force, Simply be mindful, this is my advice, if it's justified. In my opinion, force is largely overused. Often people using force feel like victims and are swinging onto the persecutor side of the pendulum. Mars-Pluto can be very libidinal about getting my way. Or here in Libra and Capricorn, perhaps one set of interests determining what the relationship or group is going to do. Right? Like imagine like the subtle politics of like a PTA meeting or something, like the subtle kind of group violence. Um, this is the way we do it. Kind of energy. Anyone who finds themselves with the capacity to get things from people that those people don't necessarily want to give may want to reflect on why they are showing up with such force. Anyone who finds themselves giving what they don't want to give may want to reflect on why they do not uphold stronger boundaries. 
I'll say that again. Anyone who finds themselves with the capacity to get things from people that those people don't necessarily want to give may want to reflect on why they are showing up with such force. Anyone who finds themselves giving what they don't want to give may want to reflect on why they do not uphold stronger boundaries. Personal responsibility here. And another thing I want to add too is that not all negotiations um, are zero sum. It's not always a winner loser situation, right? And sometimes showing up with a kind of strength, I wouldn't say force, but strength with love can be so powerful. Like you could just do nothing. You could just kind of like, you know, avoid. But when you show up with your full self and bring that fire to your connections, um, when you challenge someone from a place of love, you have that kind of inner authority. You're seeing something very clearly. Um, you're in a position to gift a kind of benevolent strength. Um, that could be happening in the fields too, right? So I would really think about kind of like what what little kind of chess games uh, or things are happening in your field, where you're in negotiations, and just like really um, the juicy part of this transit, in my opinion, is like feeling so fucking empowered about your choices, like whether they're ideal or not, like choosing them 100%. Even if you change your mind, like the resolve in that. Um, and I think that there's a level of honesty or shadow work, right? Where it's just like, if I go to that example of like, let's say I have a hard time saying no when someone wants something from me. And so someone asks something from me that I don't want to do. And I'm like, oh, oh, I'm just like having like this kind of like, freak out because I feel like I have to do something that I don't want to do. And it's like, what if I'm actually so deeply honest with myself of like, I don't want to do it. And the thing that's available to me is to actually just oppose the situation or find some graceful or perhaps messy way. You know, I like to go towards graceful, but I give myself space to be messy to actually just be a no and realize that this situation that was coming up, this pattern of like fawning or feeling like I have to say yes when I don't want has actually been a subtle invitation all along to invite me deeper into my sovereignty. Like these things can become magical that quick. October 22nd, the sun under Scorpio at 9.51 p.m. Pacific. Scorpio is a fixed water sign relating to our most deeply anchored emotional attachments, fixations, and bonds. If we are bonded and related in a way that is truly life-enhancing, this kind of emotional loyalty can be generative. Often, however, Scorpio challenges us to get deeply emotionally honest about where we are hooked and addicted. We cannot simply destroy the thing or blame the other, but we must unhook ourselves at the deepest possible level from getting off on the drama or loving the pain, right? Or understanding the deeper pattern. 
I, you know, when it comes to like ceremonial cord cutting, um, I've just about never had a, uh, a successful experience with that. And the reason is because, you know, back when I even tried that, it's like you cut the cord in your imagination between you and a person and then the person or the experience, you know, comes right back because you just snipped a little cord and there's actually this whole deeper web of entanglements that's holding you not just to that person, but to what that person symbolically represents, their energetic, their archetype. And I find that it's my judgment, right? I will name that, that usually when people are cutting a cord, and I would say perhaps if it is a symbolic act of ritual release where you're like setting the intention to, um, to free yourself from attachment to an ex or something like that, it's actually not like that. That may be symbolically valuable. But oftentimes uh, there's deeper material underneath that cord. There's like a deeper kind of context that if that's not addressed, um, it doesn't really matter if you cut the cord. Right. So feeling into those deeper questions of, you know, the devil card in the tarot, for example, I'm going into deep tarot study with the red reed uh, threshold tarot course. I'll actually leave uh, the red reed um, Christopher Marmalejo in the notes because I'm just like so moved by their brilliance. Um, But the devil card, you know, has something to do with kind of like the, you know, the devil card pictures these lovers who are um, bonded uh, with chains. And there's, I think, in, in many cards, like a doorway or like they can kind of exit, but they're kind of choosing this. So when we are in a, um, you know, a relationship where we're not being treated very well, there there can be some level of like we really just don't maybe know better, understand at that level that we're at, or maybe there's some toxicity in the culture or the family. Um, and it's just the normal or something like that. So yes, there's that. And subconsciously there can be some, some level of receptivity toward like, um, what we believe we are valuable or, or worthy of. And if we have a sense of, non-worthiness or low self-worth than someone treating us like that it's like well that just flies here right like there's a sense of being open to that and so part of the work of like say changing your your life and your history with something that you don't feel like you're in right relationship with say if you've always had money troubles or if you've always you know had a string of abusive or chaotic relationships it goes beyond okay, the specific person or the specific instance. And it's like, what are those deeper energetic hooks that keep me to that? You know, one like really deep one that I, that helped me and that I worked with was like, um, all of the social, the social messaging, the kind of media messaging around like crime shows and violence and stuff. So I, sorry, I should have given like a trigger warning maybe. Uh, but like, anyway, that sense of like, even though I was getting all this messaging of the world was like unsafe, I noticed that if I caped into that, that I was kind of embodying more of like a prey energy 
And so to unhook myself from those fears, those kind of survival fears or those just like fears of being in a body in this way um, was some deep energetic like cutting and suffering, right? So at some level, Scorpio, like the more deep we are in the game of liking to look at these things and being like, ooh, what's what's hidden? What don't I know about myself? Where am I lying to myself? Like what's that little kind of fucked up thing about me that I like try to keep secret and don't want anyone to see? Like the more curious we are and kind of intrigued by that, it almost becomes more fun in a kind of perverse way, I suppose, but not really. It's just part of reality. (laughs) It becomes more fun to like, oh, look at that thing and be like, ooh, that's that thing I do. That's why I'm really doing it. And with that knowledge and with that insight, it's like, poof, the the energetic web kind of, you know, all those ivy, whatever, they just kind of crackle and kind of recede and there's a kind of freedom that comes from that. Hopefully you're following me. I know what the fuck I'm talking about. Um, But let's see. Since there are no limits to how deep these dynamics can go, Scorpio often involves the occult, esoteric, or even shamanic ways of approaching inner and outer realities. Right? So it's like you may have like a recurring issue in your life. And you're like, I'm done trying to figure this out at the practical, normal level of my mind. I'm going to go to a hypnotherapist or I'm going to do plant medicine or, you know, whatever. Like something that's a little bit more dramatic or intense, a la Scorpio, to deal with this kind of deeper challenge in your emotional life. So at times we might need ceremony, catharsis, or beyond ordinary means to radically change our lives. The Taurus polarity to Scorpio, so the opposite sign Taurus, might speak more to practical, body-oriented means of changing our lives, like our relationship with food and pleasure or how we cultivate and build resource in our lives, right? Like, I absolutely love my routines and, like, my, my clothes and my tea and my pleasures and, like, my nice soft bed and getting a good night's sleep. I imagine that I might be a little bit more on edge if I didn't have those things. And so sometimes I think the balance with Scorpio is like, do you need some cathartic thing to change your life? Or do you need some gentle kind of cultivating like self-worth and like value in your life approach? Neither is necessarily more correct, right? It's just kind of like, what medicine do you need? Scorpio also may invite our challenge, may invite or challenge us to develop a healthier relationship with death. Scorpio contains the capacity to resist death and annihilation, to hold on to the bitter end, as well as the capacity to really be with and move with death. So this could be literal death, but, you know, often it is symbolic. Um... But death is part of life. It is, you know, literal death is part of life. So there is that. And then there's the symbolic. And by that, it's like parts of our ego and egoic identities cyclically have to die to make space for universal energy to move more freely through our channels. Right? So your idea of who you think you are and where that's running you into walls, it's like putting that to rest. And... 
Sometimes that's through something more catharsis. Sometimes ceremony doesn't have to be that intense either. Like ceremony can be very gentle. I think it's a matter of kind of how we are in relationship to cultivating our relationship to the, the life-death cycle, right? The seasonal cycle. Um, being with those changes and also noticing our, our capacity to resist change and how that works for us or doesn't. So the freer we become in our capacity to form and disentangle ourselves from attachment, right? So notice I say form and disentangle because forming bonds, I'm not saying be totally detached, but when you have the power inside of yourself to, in, to bond or disentangle, not that it's easy, not that you get to do it immediately, right? Like, but that you have that kind of resilience or capacity for choice inside of yourself. When we have this, we actually get to invest our energy. Scorpio challenges us to become more honest again with how we are participating in our entanglements. Being entangled does not mean we are bad or doing something wrong, right? Like, but if we choose to take deeper, a deeper level of responsibility for our lives, this includes taking account for how we are an energetic match to the situations that we are embroiled in. Not a statement to leverage against or at anyone to justify why stuff is going on in their lives or systemic things that are happening. Purely a personal insight for you, right? This is how I use it. Um, asking, you know, if my life were a lucid dream, why? Like, what are the symbols? I also, you know, have the belief that my soul chose to come here and chose my circumstances as the perfect kind of ground for my soul's evolution. So for me, a deeper level of play and embodiment in this life is to find some kind of creative, playful way to relate to what's happening, even if I don't like it at a personality level. So as always, Existential Kink by Carolyn Elliott is a recommended read if you want to kind of get deeper into the shadow work of contemplating the circumstances that you hate, but, you know, when someone says, oh, you're an energetic match, and you're like, how dare you say that? That's sick. Um, Existential Kink is the way to go. So as we evolve personally, we also shift the environment around us because we're all connected, right? So... Scorpio relates to empowerment, and often when we are empowered in a particular way, we become guides for others, literally or symbolically, right? Like, it can be very uh, visible. Like, I went through this challenge, and now I help other people who are struggling in the way that I used to struggle. Like, it can be just that, like, out in the open. Sometimes it's a person's energy. Like, you just feel good around someone, or you feel, like, this magnetic draw to them. And then the more you get to know them, you realize that they've overcome something that you are still working through. And you kind of saw that light or that kind of beacon, if you will, in them. So beautiful kind of like spiritual thing about this reality is that like we can be kind of entangled and codependent to the culture, you know, have the problems that the culture has. And everyone's like, yeah, it's normal, right? Or it's hard. This is what we're all going through, whatever. Um, but when you personally or with, you know, your, your community alchemize that thing that you inherited from culture and individuate, you actually change the culture, 
You help evolve the culture through the vehicle of your personal self. A big medicine of Scorpio is to be in relationship with our desire, as desire is a catalyst for the soul's evolution. Consider how you approve or don't approve of your desires and what inner engagement may be needed to come to a place of acceptance of your nature. Consider as well how cleanly you relate to your desires versus how often your desires come out sideways in hidden agendas or manipulative tactics. Typically, the more we approve of our desire, the easier it is to discover clean and honest ways to pursue fulfillment of that desire. So part of why I love Pluto and love evolutionary astrology is because it's a, it's a way of engaging spirituality and living a spiritual life in a very embodied way because it actually accounts for the spiritual value of our desire, which, you know, we can really connect to our lower, you know, lower three chakras, you know, the desire at the root and the um, sacral and our kind of will in terms of expressing those desires in the solar plexus. And that sometimes spirituality is painted as this very up and out thing, this kind of like uh, desires the cause of suffering, right? When actually like part of playing here on earth and being in this earth incarnation is to move through our desires. And, you know, how do you be in right relationship with your animal, with your animal body? And that's not just about like, you know, it's primal, but it's also like, where do you try to kind of like make it nicer, kind of like get all up in here about what you want when there's something like deeper here, like that dissonance will be felt. And there's a, a way that like, when we were actually honest about what we want, even if it's like, you know what, I want to make a lot of money, right? And if you said that out loud, does that land softly for you or do you have all sorts of judgments about money being evil or uh, how it's going to corrupt you or whatever? Because then you may, you know, want money or like want to feel more comfortable in your life or like have more options for yourself. But you don't approve of that desire, say, for that kind of financial stability or abundance. So the way that you're going to be relating to that desire and how you move through the world, like there's going to be that kind of like mixed up energy, right? So, I mean, this can go in so many different ways, you know, applied to anything that you desire. So simply knowing what you desire and kind of cleaning up your relationship. You know, Scorpio does actually relate to like purification processes and purification is not about uh, Judeo-Christian sense of sin or good and evil or any of that. It's kind of like, it, it is just kind of maybe a more innocent, you know, if you want to meditate on what purity is to you. Um, but if it, you know, if dancing naked around a fire is like very pure to you, which I mean, it is, it's primal, right? Then feeling into, yeah, I just want to like move my body in that way and like dance to a drum in the woods. Like, why am I not about that life? Why am I, you know, stuck in this office or something like that? Um, trying to reel this tangent back in. 
whatever it is for you, you know, that Scorpio relates to inner intimacy. And so this season, you know, can be a really good opportunity to move through that emotional honesty with yourself that can be uncomfortable because you're also being honest about where you're resentful, where you're judgmental, where you're jealous, um, any of that. And kind of through following those threads sometimes, if you can um, follow it through and not just get lost in the mud or in the kind of swampiness of it, to feel into like, oh, I'm jealous because I'm actually neglecting the part of myself that I see in that other person. How can I invest more energy into cultivating that part of myself? And what would that look like for me? Right. So these are um, just deep kind of inner intimacy processes that I think Scorpio really invites. And then October 26th, Venus in 20 degrees of Sagittarius will square Neptune retrograde in 20 degrees of Pisces at 6.06 p.m. Sagittarius seeks to capture the vision of the divine and put it into story, knowledge, direct experience, cosmology. While Pisces is the divine that we melt into, say, when we're having a mystical experience. Sagittarius and Pisces are united by sharing the traditional ruler of Jupiter, though I do use Neptune as a ruler for Pisces as well. Um, Both signs seek to understand the whole, the bigger picture, while Sagittarius approaches this in the realm of elemental fire and Pisces in the realm of elemental water. In Sagittarius, we experience enthusiasm and a sense of larger-than-lifeness, and with Pisces, we experience ecstasy, flooding the cup flowing over. And as joyous as both of these signs like to be, and as I've just depicted them, the experience depends on the perspective and the territory. If we are situated inside of our fear and anxiety, we are closer to the hell realms than we are in the bliss bunny peak experience states, that are also possible for these signs. So the potential for freedom here, because back to this last quarter square situation that I was alluding to at the beginning, the crisis of consciousness, the potential for greater liberation and breakthrough, the potential for freedom here with Venus and Neptune is this. Joy and love are birthrights. We need supportive ways of seeing and feeling life and our experience to return to this inner home, to this blissful inner nature. Right? And how can we do that if circumstances are not ideal? There's the kind of breakthrough. Sagittarius and Pisces both have a way of approaching the question of human suffering from the perspective that we simply need knowledge or insight or some dissolving of illusion to return to our true state. Thus, if we are encountering a state of heart Um, or our circumstances that we do not value, so Venus, we we have an aversion or something, rather than be attached to these circumstances as though this is just the way that life is, or this is my lot, this is my karma, etc. We might open ourselves to higher wisdom about our situation. And with that higher wisdom can come, you know, inspired acts as well, or kind of a different way of relating to our choices and to our experience. Sagittarius and Pisces source greater knowledge through prayer, oracle, ceremony, dream, meditation, experience, going within, consulting guides, noticing synchronicities and signs, and so on. It feels to me that the universe likes seekers 
and that if we are earnest about our desire for greater understanding, then we will surely encounter it. So that is what I have for you for this week. Quite a week, this full moon in Aries, and so then we'll start to have the lunar cycle move into the um, the waning moon, and so the emotional heat and intensity that's been building since the new is going to begin to integrate. And then we have these beautiful last quarter squares between Mars and Pluto and Venus and Neptune. So definitely some tensions that you know, and conflict, Mars, <laughs> with this lunation that may have been arising, um, but hopefully, you know, provoking us to a kind of um, liberating shift in consciousness, especially should we choose to kind of have that intention or engage that potential. Um, if you haven't already, please like this video, leave a comment, let me know what resonated with you. Um, I love you all so much, and I hope that you have a super blessed and magical week.